Hello, welcome to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube channels for both CHHA 1610 AM and for Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show by visiting either of soundcloud.com or iTunes podcasts under Mediation Station within the arts area. We have a Twitter account, and it is at Fenton Mediation, so make sure to follow us. You can contact me for more information at 647-227-4734, or by sending an email at greggf at primus.ca. So for today, we have some visitors, and our topic for conversation is developing a model of community-based mediation in Brampton. And with us today are three individuals. Tanya Kirby, Stacy Stewart, and Kristen Fox. Welcome to all of you. Hi, thank you for thank having you. us. Thank you. All right. You guys look great for the radio. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> and also, uh, let's acknowledge there is an elf in the room. She can't hear us, well, at least me. She can hear you. Yeah, we're saying hello to you. The, e- the eyes are looking. That's uh, the elf, the radio elf. Just swing it over. Yeah. Hi there. Hi. I hope you're well. Can you read lips? I can't hear you. I know. Well. I don't have any earphones. Headphones. Okay. Well, we'll get into that later. All right. So welcome the three of you, Tanya, Stacy, and Kristen. How about each of you start off by sharing some information about your professional backgrounds? Whomever wants to go first, if you want to do. All right. I'll start first. I'm Tanya. And I have a degree in social development studies with a minor in legal studies and criminology from Waterloo. I also have a post-grad certificate in dispute resolution from York University. And presently, uh, professionally, I work with youth in conflict with the law in the day. And some nights and some weekends, I'm a volunteer community mediator. Volunteer community mediator. I guess we'll learn more about what that means. Yes, we will. How about you? All right. So my name is uh, Christian. Um, so I have a master's degree in peace and conflict studies, uh, and currently I work at the Dixie Blur Neighborhood Center, Mississauga, and I am the uh, facilitator for the conflict resolution service. Where did you get the master's in peace uh, and conflict studies? Which uh, I got it from uh, Conrad Grable, but it's associated with uh, the University of Waterloo. Right. Okay. And Stacy. Hi everyone, I'm Stacy, and uh, I have a bachelor's degree in sociology, and more recently um, I got my diploma in social service work, and currently I'm a community mediator. All right. So the three of you, obviously, are here for a reason. There's obviously a reason why you've all connected. What would be, from each perspective, the, your interest in conflict and its uh, resolution? So for myself, it stems from a couple of places. So with my family for a long time. I have a great family, but as you can imagine, there's always, you know, conflict shenanigans that goes on. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, intense arguments, a lot of that stuff. Um, and then in uh, university, I actually started off doing a major in psychology. Uh, and one of the breadth requirement courses uh, was one on uh, conflict resolution for interpersonal conflict. And then I took that course, realized, actually, that's what I'm passionate about. 
and then just never looked back. So you really like to get involved with conflict, eh? Yeah, yeah. I've had roommates that have told me that too. How about you, Tanya? Well, for me, I've always volunteered with people in conflict with the law while I was in university, and then after university, I started working with uh, youth and adults in conflict with the law. So I was always interested in supporting people who were in conflict to make better decisions and to be able to move forward in a hopefully a more positive way and um, not bring themselves back into the system in addition to causing less harm in the community. And on my journey through my work professionally, I became acquainted to restorative justice. And that was specifically through the former agency, Conflict Mediation Services of Downsview. Uh-huh. And once I um, found restorative justice, I thought, this, this is it. This makes sense to me. I just really appreciate everything about the model. And I became a volunteer for CMSD at that time. Yeah, that's where we first connected. That's right, the first time. Yeah, the first time. I, I was the guy managing the other program, the Community Transformation Program. Mm-hmm. And then we reconnected at York University when you recently, more recently, took the uh, certificate program. Yes, Greg was one of the coaches, and I said, you know, I don't think you know me because I was on the restorative justice side, but I know you, and we know so many people in common. And then it just took off from there. Well, at the time also at CMSD, I was the organizational volunteer coordinator overall, so Mm -hmm. I would be aware of all the volunteers and the various programs. So I had insight into it. So you also so you worked, knew I was there. Yeah, and you worked also with uh, a, a friend, a colleague, a staff member in the restorative justice, uh, Adel. Adel Ahmed, yes. Yeah. And I also had a colleague, um, Trish Thomas, who did her BSW placement there. So I was getting all this information coming back to me about what community mediation was and what restorative justice was. And again, it just spoke to me. I said, this, this, is, uh, this makes sense to me, and how can I be more involved in this? Right, okay. And Stacy, how about you in terms of your connection with conflict and the resolution of it? Um, so my interest really started about two years ago when I found myself in a difficult workplace situation um, where there was conflict on both an interpersonal level and an organizational level and really no mechanism to deal with it. Um, so I saw the impact firsthand and it also made me reflect. Um, I realized that you know, I really needed to improve my own conflict management skills. So that really piqued my interest. Yeah, and you took the program at York University as well? That's right. I think you were in the same cohort as that elf. I, w- oh, I, I might have been. Weren't you? <laughs> Stacy and I were definitely in <laughs> you, the same cohort. You guys were in the same cohort. We sat beside each other on the first day mm-hmm. and yeah. hit it off and have been friends since. Yes. You don't need uh, Kristen to get involved in terms of helping facilitate some kind of resolution amongst the two of you? <laughs> uh, I'll charge a discount. I mean, well, I'll offer a discount. So You're getting into the world of not-for-profit. Yeah. You know, get used to the reality that it's deliver the service at no barrier, per se. Yeah. Financially, that's prime to getting people engaged and utilizing the option. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, to be quite serious, like yeah. I knew going into this business, it was never going to be for the money, which is, you know, which is fine because I, you know, I like what I do. Yeah, and so. I, I appreciate that because that's the template that people in the community-based approach function from. It's about giving the service rather than, quote, you know, making a living off it, though you can try to make a living in some way. Mm-hmm. You just can't charge 350 bucks an hour for your services. No, well, you can try. Well, you can try, it, but it I don't think it, anyone's it just won't be materialize. Interested. 
So how did the three of you actually connect? Because if you took the program together, that's fine. Though after you finished the program at York, that, and I'm pointing at uh, Tanya and Stacy, how did the how did you gravitate? What was the evolution of the where we're t the purpose of today actually? Well, I think it all started um, when I did my internship at St. Stephen's Community House Conflict Resolution and Training. Um, and so Peter Brewer, the manager of the program there, we sat down uh, to really plan my learning goals um, for the one-year internship. And he found out that I live in Brampton and mentioned that, you know, they were trying to start this initiative there and asked me if I wanted to incorporate that into my learning goals. And I said, you know, absolutely, I would be really interested in that. Um, and so we had our first meeting back in February of this year. And uh, Peter said, you know, grab one or two friends who you think are qualified and interested. And so, of course, I asked Tanya. And that's also how uh, Chris got involved um, through one of his contacts as well. Yeah, because it really takes a different kind of person and their approach and their mindset mm -hmm. to do the work in the not-for-profit sector about delivering service. And so you really have to be passionate and somewhat connected to the approach that it's about the people, not about yourself, per se. That's right. So then how did you then get into the deeper conversation of how we're, you know, yeah, you're going to get together and talk about s something in Brampton, though. How did it get into a more substantive way? Well, I really credit um, Peter and Catherine from St. Stephen's. Uh, they attended um, our first few meetings, and they were really instrumental in guiding us and supporting us um, and helping us, you know, give shape to the whole um, project. You know, you guys got together. You started the conversation on what can we do for Brampton that was not happening there? And so how did it get into a more formative or concrete, and did it reach out to other people for the three of you? How did you, I'm sure it's not consisting only of the three of you. We have other people on our committee yeah. who are also all volunteers. They all are involved in mediation in some capacity, whether they are a professional mediator or a volunteer community mediator somehow, but, um, we do have yet yeah, other people on the team that have we've been working with but probably about once a month since February to really get to the place we are now where we're hoping to launch oh we are launching um, Brampton Community Mediation Services tomorrow so what is that that you are going to do in Brampton an area with this initiative so we're, we are really excited to offer community mediation and conflict coaching so what we see community mediation as is a way of resolving problems between people by mediation rather than some other means such as going to court, going to a tribunal, suing someone. Um, we see community mediation as a facilitative process where the mediator empowers parties to speak about what is important to them, to understand conflict better, to change the way people relate to each other better, and to support people to come to meaningful resolutions to their conflict. So we see community mediation as um, a concept of neighbors helping neighbors. And so speaking to that, we look to have volunteers on our roster who have some meaningful connection with Brampton. So what that means is do they live in Brampton? Do they work in Brampton? Are they involved in uh, volunteering, volunteering in some or some, something meaningful to know who, who is Brampton and who are the people there to have some sort of sense of what the community is like? And what's the premise? Because 
why do you want to have people from with a connection to the community who are actively involved delivering the service? Because it uh, fosters a sense of community. You know that you're meeting with someone else who knows the geographic area, who knows the population, who, who knows the ins and outs of your neighborhood, basically. Yeah, and I mean for my history that that's a principle of community-based mediation is that people of the community are helping their fellow community members. Absolutely. So the other piece that we're offering is conflict coaching. And we see conflict coaching as when one party requests mediation and the other party declines to be involved. So at that point, our trained volunteers, in which we have a co-mediation model where there will always be two trained volunteers, uh, meet with the person and talk to them about how to raise their concerns, how to respond to the other person's actions and words in a way that's more productive than what they've experienced so far. So overall, it's meant to be a, a short-term intervention to help people with their communication and uh, conf conflict difficulty. Yeah, to transition from, quote, what they perceive as being a negative situation into a somewhat more hopeful situation. Yeah, and, and to let them know there, there's opportunity to have a better conversation and to explore the, the impacts of themselves and to learn about the impacts of the other person as well. Yeah, and, you know, fundamentally, people can't control another person. We try to influence or impact other people. Ultimately, the decision-making rests with the individual. So if, and because of the community-based and most mediation is voluntary, meaning that the participants have to agree to participate. Absolutely. So if one doesn't, you know, that person who approached you is going to be left without some kind of way to support their relationship with that other person. Yeah, we want to build capacity. You know. Right. Is the service, you know, is it free? Yes. Yes, yes the service is free because... Um, we believe that you know this is a much better option than going to court just because it is costly it's time consuming so if we can provide a free option for people that'll help them you know resolve the conflicts and hopefully not only resolve the conflict that they're currently dealing with but ideally you know reestablish the relationship get it to a point where they can work together and then you know hopefully uh, if there's a conflict in the future, say, you know, a year down the road, two years down the road, they can deal with it more effectively. And so to charge for it defeats the purpose of um, what we offer. Well, you know, it's about accessibility. Mm -hmm. right, and the exactly. big problem with the justice system is this whole thing called access to justice, which uh, is a challenge. Mm -hmm. And that goes on the template or the default that the system, the justice system, is the way and the place to go for resolving conflict where many of us believe, and I believe that's somewhat your thinking and believing and practice, that it's the community that knows itself best and that has the resources within it to better deal with its issues. Absolutely. What kind of relationships are you guys going to look to, you know, inc encourage people to reach out to you from? Well, so um, so just working at Dixie Bloor because we're trying to deal with the this you know same kind of issues between neighbors. So a lot of times it's you know neighbors who are in dispute about fences or about uh, tree branches, and so these are people that have been living together or living beside each other for you know quite a long time. So we want to help them be able to resolve the conflict so they can go forward with their neighbor, and it doesn't just have to resort to you know trying to avoid each other like oh you see your neighbors outside in the garage I'm not gonna go out now because I don't want to talk to him so 
those are the kind of relationships that we're dealing with. We're open to other relationships, obviously, but primarily it does come from, you know, neighbors who are in dispute with each other. Yeah, and so you don't want to continually have or provide that the neighbors use what tends to be a template, call 911 when they have issues, or the bylaw enforcement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those approaches don't generally have the means or the capacity mm-hmm. to deal with, you know, relational issues. Yeah, and, so and I... Oh, oh, sorry, I was going to say, and I've, I've strangely had people that have called me saying, oh, you know, my fence blew down because of the windstorm, I called the police, but they weren't able to help me, and, you know, frankly, the police shouldn't be dealing with that kind of an issue. You can't um, show up as a mediator with a toolkit and no. try to put the fence back no. up? and just, just, and just clarify, we don't ever show up in properties, and we do not make uh, any legal judgment. So we, I do have people that call and say, hey, you know what? Yeah. Uh, can you come to my property and tell my neighbor that they're doing the wrong thing? And I always have to explain, no, that's not what we offer. It's about empowerment, where yeah. people can make those conscious decisions on their own. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We, we've started to um, reach out to the police to let them know about who we are and what we offer. Within Peel Region, they are already familiar with Dixie Bloor, uh, within Mississauga and Malton. Uh, in North Brampton and 21 Division, um, Brampton um, and Malton share a border and 21 Division. So we've been there to say, you're already familiar with the services from Dixie Bloor. We're on the other side of the road uh, in Brampton, and ideally we're hoping that the, the police officers who respond to those bylaw calls can give the card and say, look, here's a chance to um, look at the situation differently. Yeah, so you would go to the divisions and... It provides the some education area and service, inform yeah. the officers on the different parades of uh, the, s- the service itself and the services that you provide? Yeah, yeah, we started that and we'll continue to work our way through the other divisions of, of Peel Regional Police. And what's the catchment area then when you say Brampton? Is it the city of Brampton or does it extend farther or only a particular area of Brampton? In the city of Brampton right now. Okay. Yeah, we've also been trying to establish a partnership with Peel Housing Corporation, otherwise known as Peel Living. Um, so there's a lot of promise there as well. Yeah, you got to be really resourceful because, you know, uh, one reality is your resources are particular and you're <laughs> relying on volunteers for the most part. And you got to be really flexible and resourceful with your resources. So we've been really fortunate to uh, be supported and partner with the John Howard Society of mm-hmm. Brampton uh, and Peel. They are going to be providing a space uh, when we do ha- host uh, mediations. So we're really fortunate uh, for that as well. Um, like Stacy was saying, we've been guided by St. Stephen's with developing the model. We've been supported by Dixie Bloor as well with um, trying to get this model up and going. So we've really um, appreciated all the resources that we have coming our way at this time. Are there any staff, paid people at this time? We have no uh, paid people at this time. So so we have a roster of volunteers and we have the space provided for by John Howard Society. We were very fortunate to be um, supported by Union Strategies who developed our website, our email, and our voicemail service. So at this point, we can function with limited uh, resources, uh, but we're also applying for grants as we move forward, too. Yeah, community stuff, for sure. Or uh, foundations or wherever you can 
try to access. Yeah, we'll try to access we'll, you know, whoever who, uh, will support us. And Greg, if you know anyone who wants to give any money to Brampton Community Mediation Services, we'll, we'll gladly accept it. Really? Yes. <laughs> Though, just to clear, at this point, you're not a uh, charitable organization, correct? No. So at this point, we're not incorporated and we don't have charitable status either. Right. You're a not-for-profit, though, you're not a charity, which would mean once you get some history that you can apply to Canada Revenue Agency to then be able to issue tax receipts for donations, which is a great incentive for people to donate. Yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, anybody else, that's an opportunity to contribute. Financially is one way, another way is with your human resources. Mm -hmm. So how big would your pool be at this time? Because have you had any cases yet or no? Tomorrow's your first day. Yeah, so not at this point, and um, we've been really fortunate to partner with Humber College and their ADR program, um, and so... With Mary Lee. Mary Lee, that's mm -hmm. right. So yeah. she's been really helpful um, in directing some volunteer mediators our way, and these are folks who live in Brampton. So I think at this time we're operating with about four or five, um, in addition to ourselves, uh, who mm -hmm. are trained and ready. Yep. It's it's a it's a thing that takes time, and in, in order to, to it to make a, a tangible difference within the community, you know, it's got to have a credibility. It's got to have a legitimacy. People need to know it's going to be there tomorrow, mm -hmm. and not just today. So you know, more power to you guys to, to you know be passionate and stick with your passion with this because that's what's really going to be your your glue. <laughs> Why would you want to focus, though, on a community-based approach to doing stuff rather than a fee-for-service, for example? Well, I think we're taking a community development perspective, and what we're really trying to do is build capacity and really, you know, help people develop the skills, you know, in terms of communication, listening, um, that they need to manage conflict in their own lives. So we're really interested in empowering people. Do your headphones work, Elf? Yes, they do. I've, uh, sorry, I've noticed that um, you've given me the ability to hear you, but not <laughs> I don't have the ability to speak without taking the microphone away from, but I, I do have questions for these guys, and I've been asking them at the break because I'm so enthusiastic. So and put, put one out there. I, I, I've been asking them about, um, I think you already talked about it, though, because I can't hear you, Greg, but about um, if there's any connection with the city of Brampton in terms of don't they have people in within the city who have conflict resolution services regarding the bylaws. Oh. So I don't know if you, you covered that. Well, we talked a little bit about a potential referral and a relationship that, uh, you know, outreach to promote. Though my experience with uh, bylaw is that they don't have conflict resolution as uh, in institutionalized in their system. They just basically say this is what the bylaw says. They work. Out. They work on a statutory basis. So basically, if there's a, a bylaw that says you've done something that's contrary, it's punitive in some way. Either fix it, or they don't have the opportunity to create other options and approaches. Mm. Which, but in Mississauga, though, they do tend to uh, refer a lot of cases to us because yeah. a lot of times where. Uh, if there's fences on private property or trees on private property, they'll say, you know, that's a civil matter, uh, and then they'll refer the clients to us. Which is about you guys establishing at Dixie Bloor, mm -hmm. which is something for you to guys to deal at Brampton to yeah. establish that 
credibility with the relationships because mm-hmm. otherwise bylaw continually will get calls and calls that they can't deal with and therefore it's best to give it to another option exactly yeah so and that's a good connection to have oh yeah for sure okay you want to say something Tanya I oh, see you after the election we're hoping to have uh, more communication with the bylaw uh, management and bylaw officers about our service and have the same sort of situation as they have in Mississauga where they can refer to a service for uh, to the community members. Yeah, I would say things are probably in limbo right now until the elections are cleared um, up and a little bit so, after. Yeah. yeah. So why do you feel it's needed in Brampton, this kind of initiative? Well, I'd say just because, you know what, people in Brampton are living beside each other as they're living, you know, anywhere else. And where there's people living together, there's going to be conflict. Um, so in Brampton, there's a lot of the same issues, you know, fences, uh, trees, there's windstorms that happen, uh, which will destroy fences, which in that itself will cause a lot of conflict. So it's just really, you know, it comes down to people are people. There's always going to be conflict. And you know what, there's a need for us and we're here to help, to help people resolve it in an effective way so it doesn't, uh, you know, get out of hand and they don't have to go to court. What about the uh, reality of diversity? People come from different cultures. People speak different languages. People have different customs and beliefs and practices. And sometimes those are some of the situations that you're working with. People have taken the differences and seen them as a barrier and projected that uh, negative energy on the other side. So how, how do you see yourselves trying to deal with the realities of diversity? Well, going forward, we're going to do our best to consult with various stakeholders in the community, um, different faith-based groups um, especially, and just really sit down and have some meaningful conversations with them to find out what the needs of their uh, specific communities are so that we can be really um, responsive uh, in our services. Yeah, because, you know, some of us, obviously, we see life through our own lens. And if we don't make a conscious effort to want to be curious and ask questions about others, we will be limited in our understanding about the realities of the people and the world around us. That's right. So we need to take that conscious approach. And so, you know, at some point, there might be uh, an interest to get other languages represented on your pool of volunteer mediators. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Part of our group is a community outreach um, group, and like Stacy said, we're reaching out to our partners and even existing mediation services uh, in Brampton to let them know that we're out there and to learn from others about how we can provide our service the best we can. What are going to be the hours of function operation for this, too? Well, I don't think we have determined that as yet, but certainly um, we want to have flexible um, availability, just you know, keeping in mind that not everyone is on you know, a, a, a weekday nine yeah, to five thing. Exactly. So we want to make the service as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. So evenings and weekends as well. That's absolutely right. yeah. Yeah, because we want to be able to say to people, you know, we offer the service, we offer a mediation, but we don't want to say, well, you're going to have to take time off work. And sometimes, quite frankly, people will say, oh, they're interested in mediation, but you know, they, they'll use the excuse, oh, I'm too busy. And then when I can fire back and say, well, we can actually work around your schedule, that gets them to, you know, think and go, okay, maybe I can't use that. Maybe I should consider it. Yeah, you maximize the options for mm-hmm. the providing access to the service 
it will minimize the potential that people would say no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In terms of the space, you, you're going to be physically within a space of another not-for-profit, which is the John Howard, correct? Yes, on Main Street in Brampton. Also, we're confident that the Region of Peel will provide a space as well. They've already been providing a space for meetings, so we're looking forward to building that relationship as well. Some kind of satellite uh, function or multi multiple site mm -hmm. yeah. function. And some yeah. of our ideas for expanding for space are partnering with the libraries and seeing if we can have a relationship with them to use their space. Are, and I think most libraries, uh, or maybe some libraries, are, contact, are connected with community centers, so maybe using their space as well, because we see that that has worked in other cities with this model. So we're looking to build on what has been successful in other cities. Mm -hmm. And we just, again, we want to make sure that it's accessible and that, you know, people don't have to drive, you know, an hour away just to, you know, go for a mediation. And if we can say, hey, you know what? We know, okay, based on your address, uh, what about this community center that's like five minutes away from you? Then, again, it's not going to disrupt their time and their schedule. Yeah, that's uh, another one of the principles of community development right. and work is to go where the community is at. Mm -hmm. Don't make them come to you. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, we want to be as close to them as possible so they can just say, oh, okay, yeah, it's not going to be a big issue. I can, I, I can do that for an hour. In, in general, what would you say are people's tendencies when they deal with conflict? especially relationships of neighborhoods? So I'd say there's generally two, two different types. There are the people that just avoid the conflict. They don't want anything to do with their neighbor. They just say, oh, can we mediate, but I don't want to talk to them. And then there's the other ones that uh, will engage with their neighbor, but very much from the point of view that they're right, the neighbors are wrong, and they want to prove to as many people as they can that they're in fact right and that this other person should be punished. And so at Dixie Blue, a lot of calls I get are people that will say, look, I have the documentation, I have all this proof, um, can I show it to you? And I have to explain, well, you know, because this is a mediation, we are essentially here to help facilitate a conversation between you and your neighbor. We're not here to make any legal determinations. And a lot of times I'll get the, yeah, I get that, but can I still show you my documents? And they, and they even want, I guess, they want to get some validation. So even though I won't be the one mediating with them, they want to be able to show that, oh, yes, Christian Fox says that I'm right and this person's bad. Um, so I think those are the two main approaches to conflict that people typically take. Yeah, I mean, they may try to deal with it on their own, yeah. yet they don't have the skill set or the capacity to do so. Mm -hmm. And when through those efforts, sometimes the situation actually gets worse. Yeah. Exactly. Or they call 911, the police. Yeah. They come in and they find that is not their mandate. It's not these civil right. matters. Mm -hmm. It's not their jurisdiction. So they're going to say, sorry, and leave. Again, it leaves the people without some kind of resource and option. Mm -hmm. Or they go to court. Yeah, I was going to say, and sometimes, you know, you get cases where people will go to court with their neighbors because they don't want to go to mediation. And they'll take them to court for the trees or the fences. And I always joke about this, that fences are a great thing. Trees are great. We need trees. Trees are, you know, the lungs of the earth. But they're not worth going to court for because you're not going to be spending a lot more time and money than it would have been just to, you know, deal with the issue yourself. Like take down the fence or cut down the branch. When so people are caught up in their, their yeah. conflicts, though, they're, they get really mm -hmm. attached and passionate about them. And they... They feel they're right, and the other side's wrong, and they want somebody else to validate that. That's yeah, you mentioned, exactly. right? Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, what you hear a lot is it's the principle. It's the principle. And it, it gets to the point where people will fight prolonged fights over things that are that seem trivial to anyone else who's listening to what's happening. But what it comes down to is, again, what we know as conflict resolvers, um, people's identity, people's sense of being wronged, people's sense of um, being hurt. Um, and people, people will fight that down to the bone. And sometimes mm -hmm. we see these conflicts arise from neighbors who have known each other for for decades and have involved each other's families in, in, in their lives. And then, like Chris is saying, a tree falls on their fence and all of a sudden they, they're in this big conflict. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember when I was nine years old, we were lived next door to a family that we all, we all grew up together and we were neighbors. We, they were always at my place, I was always there. And one time, I don't know, my father was weird, and he was um, we mowing... We make no judgments here, please. <laughs> he was mowing the lawn. And he... And no, 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 their mother was mowing the lawn. And my father came out and said, You're mowing my lawn. What are you doing? This is the property line. And he brought out the deed. And it was a pretty oh, wow. nutty thing to do, right? And they got into this big argument about it. And next thing you know, I was not allowed to come over and play there. So these are the kind of conflicts that are seemingly over nothing. You know, just someone mowing someone else's lawn. And it get, comes down to the children having their relationships fractured. Yep. And I actually just got, well, not just got, but in end of July, I had a complaint from someone where they said that their neighbor was mowing part of the lawn. Uh, and they were annoyed with their husband for not doing anything about it. And so, yeah, it's right. It's something that, and, you know, that is the challenge with, with community mediation is that when I'm, you know, doing intake with different clients, sometimes in my mind I think, well, this is a really trivial thing. And so then I have to kind of shift from thinking, okay, why are they, you know, well, this is silly, why are they upset? But, okay, so what aspect of it is bothering them? And a lot of times it comes down to, you know what, I'm not even upset that they built a fence. It's just they didn't come talk to me. And, no. you know, Joni, just to touch on your story as well, I think that's one of the advantages of community mediation is that it gives people a space to be heard. Mm -hmm. And unlike some other conflict resolution mechanisms, it really focuses on restoring the relationship. Or making punitive decision-making. Yeah. So in this... People can just even have an opportunity to have a voice, mm -hmm. to express where they feel they've been experiencing something. That might be sufficient for them to do a process even within what your area is going to do. may not always be about getting a concrete decision outcome, a plan. Just, I need space to talk. I need to be able to share my story. That's mm -hmm. right. And sometimes, unfortunately, it could just be a case of, you know, 10 years ago your neighbor made this comment and the other neighbor was really upset by it but didn't say anything and then here we are now there's a dispute over the fence but you know during a mediation you might, get it, you might be able to talk hey, you know you made that comment to me 10 years ago and I was upset by it and then the other person can explain what, what they meant by it and then getting to that understanding they can then you know come up with an easy solution for the fence or whatever the issue is or 
um, on top of that, it could be little, you know, the death of a, th of a thousand cuts where there's been conflict brewing and brewing and everyone's been polite and polite and polite and then there's this one thing and it seems trivial in and of itself, but it's, the, you know, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. The reality is that each person identifies their own lived experiences in their own way and it's not for us to project our own sense of judgment on that and you know you're there to help support people in the best through an option that they can get the outcomes they need mm -hmm. That's exactly right. yeah are you guys having a parade down downtown or yes something? yes we are we're having a great parade <laughs> yeah. no i'm just making that up i wish we were but you, you know people won't just say it it's okay okay cool how, how can people in the community itself if they are interested in helping and you mentioned i know funding that's one way if people want to provide human resources get involved in some way, how can they do so? Is there a way to do that yet? Yeah, so definitely we're always looking for volunteer mediators to join our roster. And uh, at this point in time, we think it's really important to uphold the standards set out by OCMC. Um, well, what's that stand for? Um, <laughs> hope I remember the acronym right, um, the Ontario Community Mediation Coalition. Coalition. Um, and so we want to make sure that our volunteers are trained to their uh, standards. I think it's a, a minimum of 21, 21 hours. hours. That's right. Um, you know, and yeah, uh, otherwise. Through a co mediation model, by that, the way. That's yeah. right, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. And they have uh, the enthusiasm and, you know, the commitment to the cause. Yeah. Yeah, and that you appreciate that they're, it, they understand that it's about the people in the community. It's not about people who want to further their own careers, though that this will, by participating, can contribute to that, mm -hmm. but that's not the primary purpose. It's no. in delivering the service. So the contact information, what is that? So we have a phone number, and that is 833-617-3445, and that's a voicemail service. We have an email, and it's info at bramptoncms.ca. And we have a website, bramptoncms.ca, Community Mediation Services is the CMS, and please check us out. So what would you suggest to people who are living in Brampton as to now trying to deal with their conflicts? I would say, you know, quite simply, just try to think of the conflict as a conversation. Just sit down with the person that you're you know, having an issue with and just engage in the conversation. Try to find out where they're coming from. Um, there was this really cool phrase that I, you know, heard in university where it was, go from move past making judgments to engaging in curiosity, just trying to find out, okay, you know what, I'm curious now, what aspect of this conflict is upsetting them? Why are they feeling this way about this issue? And so just trying to engage in them, just remember, ultimately, it's a conversation. It doesn't have to be formal. Uh, you don't need to do a big song and dance. Just talk with the other person and... Yeah, there's no, there, there's no court orders here. It's no punitive mm -hmm. context here. It's about people having the opportunity to share their own perspective and listen to the other person's perspective exactly. as well. That's yep. right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's also um, seeking to understand the other person um, so that you can be understood. Uh, somebody has to make the first move to actually listen to the other person and really honestly have curiosity about 
why they feel the way they do, why it's so important to them, what is so important to them. You may be assuming that you know what's important to them and that it's all about this thing when you could be wrong. It could be about something else entirely. So if, if people could just, um, when they're in conflict, try to put themselves in the other person's place. We ask that people think about inviting people to have a conversation as opposed to marching across your backyard and saying, hey, your stereo is too loud. Um, maybe more think about, hey, can we, can we talk to you about um, your stereo? So you're going to have a case management system where if people have specific conflicts, you have a roster of people who are trained, and then there'll be some way of cat matching up the people with the conflict with the mediators and doing that kind of process. I believe I earlier heard you're also trying to build capacity. Are you going to do some workshops and outreach as well? Well, actually, um, one of our colleagues, uh, Kim Scanlon, she came up with a really great idea to do this uh, talking chair activity. And so she has reached out to Bramley and City Centre, Big Mall in Brampton, and we're hoping throughout the holiday season to get a bunch of us and, you know, shoppers who are stressed out can just come and talk with trained listeners um, and just get an idea of what community mediation is about and how it can benefit them and if they want to learn some of those skills themselves. We're reaching out to organizations, not-for-profits, going to their staff members and their meetings and somewhat and just doing a presentation in some form to inform them about the service and then at some way maybe even do a little workshop for community groups. Yeah, that, that's on our agenda and we hope to reach out to as many people as we can. Mm-hmm. So what message would you like people to take from uh, our conversation today? Just to remember that, you know what, it's just try to have a conversation when you're in conflict and Conflict is stressful, but you know what? It's sometimes it's a good thing. We grow in conflict. You learn about yourselves. You learn about other people. Um, so it's not something that you should always fear and try to avoid. That was really well said. <laughs> Thank you. So you didn't so. want to follow that with any other further comments? Um. Yeah, come on. Yeah, and just, just so, good. so that people know, you know, um, there are other options out there for resolving conflict, and it doesn't always have to be adversarial. Yeah, like the, the justice system is a very somewhat rigid place for people to fit into it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's not focused on being client-centric, whereas community-based is totally about providing the means in a very appropriate way, customs, beliefs, practices, culturally, that people, the process works with the people. The parties are totally involved with with designing their resolution. It's something that makes sense to them. It's their process and we find, uh, as we all know, when people come to their own resolutions, they're more off to following through with them because it wasn't adjudicated to them. They weren't told to do it. They came up with it on their own. That's so much more powerful and that's what I communicate. You have ownership of the decision making and the ability to follow through with those things where if you go to the system, a punitive approach, adversarial, it's imposed on you, and you're not necessarily connected with those decisions. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to say? You see, I told you go by pretty fast. It has gone by. I just wanted to say that on Friday, I was at the new Brampton Courthouse, 
and it was huge and it was crowded and it was like it was massive it was like a an airport terminal and um if you can do something to to kind of shift things in the community direction um i say all power to you it's going to be great and i really like the idea of the bramalee um initiative it's like what I've, if you've seen on Facebook, uh, people sitting buddy, buddy talking, just, just sitting and talking about your conflict. And that's the great power of community-based stuff too, is that you can be so creative. The limitations are only what you place on yourself. So I want to thank the three of you for coming and helping educate and informing us about this initiative. Thank you so oh, much for yeah, having thank you us. For Thanks having for having me. us. And all the best. It is an endless amount of opportunity here. I, I, uh, I really connect with what you're talking about anyways. Thanks very much. You've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA 1610 AM.